Talking Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leaves podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza as always. Nick, a big 5-3 win to go through tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. A bit of a crazy game. Three goals in the first three minutes or so. Let's get right into three stars, Nick. Who are you giving your first star to tonight? I'm going to go with the mainstream option tonight. Uh, also, I love that we waited until uh, we got a Leafs win, win before we started recording. Yeah, that's uh, perfect timing for us. Uh, but I'm going to go with Nick Felino today. I thought he was just relatively solid. Um, I think that's what the type of player he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be kind of a standout player in terms of like big playmaking abilities or you know kind of the guy that's going to wow you but I do think he's going to just be solid um and I thought he was that tonight I mean obviously he's coming off that seven day quarantine um and I didn't think that he kind of missed a step so I thought he was you know pretty good with Matthews and Marner we'll see if he actually stays there uh but it's nice that he gets the assist at the end and it's kind of an unselfish assist so I'm sure that he uh gained some popularity on the bench and he probably should have had another assist um, on that other goal there, but they took it away from him. Yeah, I, I think for sentimental reasons, I, I like it. I thought he was a bit shaky in the first. Just, you know, you can kind of tell the seven-day... I, I think he made a comment after the game that he just felt like shit. Um, but he did get his feet going as the game went on. It's it's early. Honestly, I didn't think he was amazing tonight, but I definitely... I think he's just such a likable player, and obviously... Given the fact that he hasn't touched the ice in seven days, uh, you got to give him a bit of a pass. So, uh, good pick for sentimental reasons, if nothing else. Um, as you said, Nick, we're, we're going to completely ignore the the four other or the, the the five previous losses. We'll just talk about the win to start. But <laughs> I'm going to go my first star. I'm going to go Mitch Marner. I thought he played excellent tonight. Uh, he did have the goal on that Felino empty netter. He also had a, a a cool slap shot goal. Now the puck was rolling. I think that helped, but. Uh, just the way he, you know, got the puck for Foligno at the end. Uh, he also had an assist on Matthew's goal, I know. So uh, just just an outstanding night. He's such a well-rounded player. Um, actually ended up, I think it was three points he had tonight. So anytime you have two goals, one assist, even if there is an empty net goal, and just his penalty killing, uh, just such a complete player. I did like the fact that Matthews, Marner, and Foligno were out at the, in the last minute with a one-goal lead. Um, so I just, I think it just speaks to how that line's maturing and that'll be my first start tonight. What do you have to say about Marner? He was excellent tonight. I think it's, it's such a treat to, as fans and as just people who follow this team to watch like two players at that caliber of Marner and Matthews every single night, um, just elite players in the league. And it's such a, it's such a treat to watch them. Um, I thought tonight Marner was really good, obviously for the reasons you said he, he did get a bunch of points. I thought he was fantastic on the penalty kill tonight. Um, you know, nothing that's really different from every night. Like you said, such a well-rounded player. Um, and, you know, tonight was a real show in, in terms of, I mean, if the Leafs want to win a ton of games, they need their top four guys to to be really good and to be the best guys on the ice. And I thought tonight that they were. So uh, it's nice for them to, Marner to get some points and the Leafs to get some points too. Um, my second star... My three stars, I'm actually going off the board. I know I just said the, the, the big four were really good tonight, but I'm not going to use them any of them as my stars. Uh, I'm going to go with, it shouldn't be a surprise though, I'm going to go with Rasmus Sandin. 
he's just been excellent these last two games. Um, you know, throughout the time that he was injured, whenever Dubas and Keefe would talk about him, it sounded like they were just so confident in his abilities, despite the fact that he was injured. Um, at the time, I had question marks regarding you know, whether he'd come back before the playoffs started. It was just such a mystery at that time, and they didn't really give too much um, information about it at the time. But he's looked absolutely amazing. His poise with the puck, he's made a bunch of smart pinches. He's made some nice passes. I feel like he should have had at least one or two points, especially tonight on on the Adam Brooks uh, chance there. And, you know, he's he's gained a little bit of weight like this past season, and I think he's just used it really well. It's helped him in battles. Uh, he's never been a guy that's really struggled uh, in terms of puck battles, but I just think him gaining that weight, adding a little bit more muscle has really helped him. And it hasn't really taken away from his kind of elusive um, skating. So he's just such a fun player to watch. I know that, you know, if uh, we're going to say we're co-vice presidents or co-presidents of that fan club, because I know that you love him too, Kevin. Yeah, I thought he was great. Um, obviously on the power play, I think he tweeted, just his ability to walk the line, drop defenders towards him create space right. he's a he's a great passer on the backhand that chance that he set up for adam brooks i don't think any other defenseman sets up that chance maybe riley um but his offensive skill sets just through the roof i do think he's a bit slow um sometimes he can get burned by faster skaters i know we just played 13 minutes tonight but for a player who had basically not played hockey for 13 months in a, in a game like he played in march he didn't play in the playing series um, and then he had played five minutes as a seventh defenseman earlier this season for the Leafs and then went to the Marlies, got hurt on his third shift. So he really hadn't had any, you know, any game reps heading into the previous game against Vancouver. And he's just playing with a ton of confidence out there. Um, you know, you wouldn't, you can't, you can't tell that he's, uh, you can't tell that he's just coming in cold to the season. Like he looks like he's been playing all year. Um, very confident when he rushes the puck up the ice. Very good vision. Um, I, I think he's very good on the power play. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see what happens. I think that the previous game, too, when Bogosian got hurt, he spent a lot of time on the right side. And as someone who's so good on his backhand, you know, normally it's not the, the, the young rookie that's on the right side, normally the move of vet. But I think he's just so confident on his backhand. Um, he's really, his confidence has just been through the roof so far. So I like that picnic, but I'm going with my second star. I'm going back to the big four. I'm going Austin Matthews. Just a great game. I, I just, there's a, there's so much things I want to point out about him. Like a, the, the, that first goal is just a perfect shot. Um, 27 seconds into the Felino era. I think Felino's <laughs> looking at him like, you know, Eric Robertson and Alex Texier didn't do this. Um, I, I think you're just kind of like, okay, I'm playing with a guy with 34 goals already in a shortened season. And then he also had the, the assist on the Marner goal. Um, actually he had assist on both Marner goals, including the empty netter. But, you know, I, I think in years past, you wouldn't have seen him out there in the last minute up a goal, uh, especially in his early years. And, and he's kind of their go-to options now. Um, I just think he's such a complete player. He, he's, he's playing outstanding hockey. Obviously, at the start of the year, is Thornton on the left. We've seen Hyman there. We've seen Galchenyuk there. Now we're seeing Felino there. He, he's the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League, and he, he you know showed his worth again tonight. So I'm giving him my second star. Yeah, can't go wrong. I, I absolutely love that first goal because when you look at, like, Hellebuck is a good goalie. 
and he looked genuinely surprised that that puck went short side. Like, Matthews is pretty much showing far side, far side, and just when he releases, he kind of closes his stick, and it goes... And, and Hellebuck looked genuinely surprised that it went that side. It's just a clean shot. Um, just such a special player, you know, even in his own end, his, his ability to win pucks below the, the red line is amazing. Always seems like he's in the right position at 5-on-5. Five five. Like you said, just such a complete player. I was saying earlier, there, it's really a treat to watch him and Marner play together. Um, you know, I, I do like the, the Nylander and Marner pairing, but, you know, it just it just makes me think like all those years we, we never even saw Marner and Matthews. I think it was like 140 minutes at 5-on-5 five five that they played together at for the three seasons Babcock was a coach. So it's just crazy that we, we were kind of held back from this. Like even even a shift or two here and there for those two to play together just makes just makes sense. Uh, one of the best scorers in the game right now, if not the best, and one of the best passers in the league. It's, it's a match made in heaven between those two. So definitely cannot knock you on that pick. It's always a good pick there. And for my third star, I'm going to go with Jack Campbell. Um, you know, I think they, he just needed a win here. Uh, I think he's been excellent this season. He's, I think it is Jay Fresh or um, maybe Evolving Wild shows the um, expected saves above um, expected, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And Jack Campbell was one of the top guys there. Now, in his past week, in the past couple of games, he's really dropped off of that. So I don't think anyone expected Campbell to be performing at that level, but... You know, I think tonight he he was excellent, and I think they needed this win. Um, the first two periods, he was really good, and, and I think Toronto kind of wasn't really playing very well, and Campbell saved him. And then in the third period, I thought Toronto really kind of tightened up. They only allowed three scoring chances at 5-on-5 five five in that third period. Um, and then Campbell made some big saves uh, when Winnipeg pulled a goalie. So uh, he's definitely my third star here. Yeah, he played well. I think the goals he did give up were, you know, there were some pretty big mistakes from Toronto defensemen. Um, one was the Jake Muzzin kind of giveaway. The other one was a, a Brody pass to Riley that kind of got away. So I, I did think he played very well. Obviously, he was very busy. He had 37 shots against today, saved 34 of them. And I think they really needed that. Uh, obviously, Riddich did not play well the previous game. I think Campbell was a little bit shaky in his last outing as well. Goaltending was definitely a big story heading into tonight. And I, I think he, he did everything he could to... You know, bounce back nicely and get them a win. A nine nineteen save percentage. I thought he definitely earned that. Um, so, so good choice, Nick. I'll go for my last third star. I'm going off the board as well. I'm going Wayne Simmons. I think this was his hmm. one of his best games as a Leaf. Um, I haven't been a huge fan of his as of late, especially after the after the injury. But um, I, I I I know he took a penalty, but I love the play with with Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, I also just, obviously, he got a goal early. Um, the, the second goal was, you know, the first goal with Matthews was like, okay, great start. But when, when Simmons scored less than a minute later, it was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> um, I know it didn't last long, but uh, because Shifley scored two minutes after that, but just a great start. Um, I, I thought he played much better in the last, in the last week or so than, than previously. Uh, I still think he's one of the team's bottom forwards, but... I did think that's exactly what I'm looking for for Simmons. So if he can just keep this up, um, I'd be I'd be thrilled. So a little bit of an off the board picnic. Yeah, this was definitely his best game that I can remember. Maybe 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 he played better a few 
games before he got injured, but this was definitely up there. Um, yeah, I, I do still think he's a depth forward at this point. Like, I, I do think he's going to have to continue playing at the level he was today if he wants to have a chance to be in the in the playoff lineup. Um, but such a fun player. I mean, that that's exactly what you want from him today. I thought he was great on the forecheck. He, he obviously scored the goal. Um, one problem I did have with him, um, especially when he came back with that injury, is it felt like every time the puck got onto his stick, it was a turnover, whether that was in transition or even in the offensive zone. Tonight, I didn't think that was the case. I thought he was pretty good. Um, he definitely didn't lose possession. He, he kept the play alive. And obviously, he defended uh, Jack Campbell, which, I like, how is that a penalty? Like, you, I wasn't going to bring it up because I didn't want to go back to it, but you brought it up, so... We're going to talk about this because it's almost like the Leafs never defend themselves and it's almost like everyone's kind of complaining about it. And the one time they defend their teammates, it's a penalty. Like, it's just ridiculous. I thought he kind of deserved one. Like, I could, that's one of those 50-50 calls, but you, you definitely was, got... That happens so often for me, like, where, like, someone slashes the goalie and then it's just a free-for-all and nothing ever gets called and then this one was like you got called like like that never happens yeah i i think it's i think it's a 50 51 a lot of the times they let those go um i i maybe because it was like the only i don't think they took many penalties tonight um is that no they took two penalties tonight thornton got one so i don't know like it's game management i guess so at least only had one power play tonight but we got a lot to get to. Um, I want to start with just, I guess, before tonight's game, Nick. So there's, there's quite a lot that happened. They're on a five-game losing streak. A 4-2 loss against Montreal, a 3-2 overtime loss against the Flames, a 5-2 loss to the Jets, and then they lost two in a row against the Vancouver Canucks coming off of that you know, COVID break, if you will. Um, so... I know goaltending was a big storyline coming into the night. I know there was a lot of panic. I was looking at my timeline after that second Vancouver loss, even the first Vancouver loss, and just seeing people losing their minds. I guess if we ignore tonight's game, if we if we ignore the the win, is it were, were you panicked or were you kind of a, a little bit relaxed about it? What was your thoughts heading into tonight? People listening that don't look at my tweets are going to think this is hindsight bias, but I wasn't worried at all. They were dominating virtually the majority of the games. I think off the top of my head, the only one that was pretty even was the Montreal game uh, where they lost 3-2 or or 4-2. The rest of them, they were the ones against Calgary, the ones against the Canucks. Um, They were really good. And I think goaltending was a big part of it. I think the lack of power play scoring was a big part of it. Um, I wasn't really worried about the Canucks game where they, where they lost, uh, in Vancouver's first game back. I thought it was a nice story for Vancouver. I mean, they've been through a lot this past month. Um, I don't know. It's tough for me to get really worried about things. And I am going to get to something that I was worried about, um, after this, but in terms of play, like the Leafs are still running play. They're, they're pretty far ahead in the standings. Even before tonight, they had a three-point lead. They're, they're going to make it to the playoffs. You know, right now, I'm in the boat where if Toronto finishes second and Winnipeg finishes first and Toronto plays Edmonton instead of Montreal, I think that's a win for Toronto. So for me, I'm not really worried um, right now, and especially after today's win. 
Yeah, I was in the same boat. And honestly, it's more of a, like, who cares? Like, they're in first place. These games are kind of meaningless, I'm sorry to say. Um, <laughs> I do still watch them, especially, like, a game like tonight when Felino's playing or Sandine, um, getting to see him. But I, I think it's just a general, it was goaltending. I know some, some people are saying, like, how often are we going to say that they're getting goalie? Well, they're the best team in the division, and as a result, they're going to outplay their opponents a lot of the time. So they're going to get goalied more than a Detroit or an Ottawa. Like, Detroit doesn't get goalie very often because they rarely outplay their opponents. I think the Leafs are, are doing it pretty consistently this year, especially at 5-on-5. Five five. I know the power play hasn't been great, but Holpe stood on his head that first game. He saved 37-39. of 39. There were some kind of circus saves. Uh, I didn't think Campbell was great. And then, obviously, that second game against Vancouver, Riddich was was very bad. Um, obviously, you don't want to judge... I don't want to write him off because of one game, because we saw how good he was against the Leafs, but that's definitely not a game that, that gives the team a lot of confidence. Um, definitely not what I want to see. I, I, I kind of want to get him back in there soon, just to see, you know, maybe in, in one of the upcoming Vancouver games, just, you know, try to get his confidence back. But I, I do think that I'm concerned about goaltending at this point. I, th- I think I'm okay with the power play. I'm okay with the rest of the team. Uh, goaltending is definitely the concern. But it does seem like Anderson's getting close to being, like he's getting closer to returning. Campbell's performance tonight definitely you know, was a step in the right direction. So I think every team, other than maybe Tampa, Boston, uh, Winnipeg have to be concerned about goaltending come playoff time. I think the Leafs are one of those teams. So I guess goaltending is really the only big worry I have at this point. Otherwise, I'm you know I'm I'm pretty happy with this team overall. And goaltending is a worry every year. And you know, bad goaltending, no matter what team you are, including Boston and those teams with good goaltending, can happen in small samples. And you know, the playoffs is a small sample. It's a seven game series. You know, you have bad goaltending, you know, maybe not 850 or whatever, but even if you get, you know, 890, 900 goaltending in, in four of those seven games, chances are you're, you're going to be behind the eight ball and you're more likely to lose that series than you are to win that series as the Leafs have learned a couple times over the past couple of years. So um, I do think this year the Leafs should be more concerned about goaltending than ever uh, because of the injury situation. Like if Campbell goes down, you know, knock on wood and re-aggregates, re aggravates that injury I mean the Leafs are in big trouble um I don't think that Riddick is as bad as he was in those two Vancouver games sorry in the one Vancouver game um but you definitely don't want him to be your number one going into the playoffs so we'll see what Anderson looks like when he comes back um I do still think this is Campbell's net I want to get your opinion on that too um but you know I think the, you're, any NHL team, I think, if you have more than one goalie option that you're somewhat comfortable with in the playoffs, I think you just got to go with the hot hand. And I think that's kind of the, the way that a lot of teams have been going this past, these past couple of years. And I think this is the first time the Leafs have been able to say that they'd be comfortable with more than one goalie heading into the playoffs in quite a while. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's nine games left, and I'm not sure if Anderson's even going to get into one. Um so, so I do think that if Campbell's playing well heading into the playoffs, regardless of like if if even if Freddie's back, I think it's Campbell's net because you're going to ride the hot hand. Now, if he starts to struggle and Anderson gets healthy again, maybe you go with Anderson. Um, I I do think it's 
I would say maybe 60-40 is going to be Campbell, uh, depending on when Anderson's back, obviously. But even Riddich, like, we saw him against the Leafs. He saved 70 shots in a row against the Leafs. Like, they could not beat him at one, t- at one point. And I know people don't like to admit this. Like, we like to think that, you know, the players have full control over the win or lose. It's it's 100% effort-based, 100% will to win that's going to decide it. But if you're a goalie, like, Kadobin went on a, a massive run last year to make it to the finals. And it, it, if you get 930 goaltending, you got a chance to go far. And if you run into a 940 goaltender or something like that, there's a very good chance you're going to be eliminated, even if you outplay your opponent by quite a bit. So, you know, a lot of this is going to be pretty unpredictable. Campbell, we like, you just want your goalie to get hot at the right time, whether it's Campbell, Riddich, uh, Anderson. I do think Riddich is obviously the three, especially after that that last game. But I think any of these goalies are, are capable of getting hot, even Riddich. I mean, we saw it against the Leafs. You know, with playoff hockey, I, I think there's just no guarantees. Like, it's unfortunate but, you know, game one of the playoffs, the regular season doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the Leafs are in first. Tampa learned that two years ago after their outstanding season, only to lose to Columbus in the first round. You know, you, you need everything to be firing at the right time. If the, if the goaltending's good in the playoffs, if the power play's good in the playoffs, we're not going to even be talking about it in the offseason in terms of, you know, their regular season struggles. So, yeah, I'm happy with the goaltending. I'm happy with this team overall, Nick. I'm kind of bored of the regular season, and I think we're both on the same page here. Definitely. I want to I want to talk about one other thing, and you know, we're talking about like if like nine thirty goaltending, like you were talking about. You're definitely you're definitely in favor to win that series if that's the type of goaltending you're getting. But one thing is goaltending is very very unpredictable. And I feel like it's tough to fix. Like, you know, you can't just go and, and tell Campbell, hey, you know what, don't let in soft goals. I mean, obviously you can do things in practice and whatnot, but, I mean, it's one of those things where you just hope that they kind of perform. One thing I will say that is very positive for Toronto is, we already talked about it, their ability to dictate play and how much they're dominating games because that is something that is a lot more predictable. Um when you look at past measures and, and you look at, you know, how are the Leafs going to play in the playoffs? Like, I would probably put money down that they're going to be, you know, above 50% expected goals um, in most like playoff games that they play this year. Now, does that mean they're going to win for sure? No, but at the rate that they're pretty much outplaying teams at five on five, like, it's, it's very good and it's virtually overridden how bad their power play has been and how poor their goaltending has been i think it, it was you that had the tweet where it was like their i think you said their record of how good it was and they scored like one power play goal during that time right that was a while back but i'm not concerned about the power play right now at all i think as you said like they're gonna outplay their opponents they have switched their power play up we haven't seen thornton and simmons on power play one anymore they are going with the stacked unit um and, and I think that's going to work. Like, I just think you can kind of point to, you know, what the unit was and say, okay, that didn't work, but we're no longer seeing Thornton and Simmons there. So I have all the faith in the world in the Leafs, you know, flicking the, the on switch on the power play come playoff time. I think goaltending is concerned number one, as it should be for most teams. And, you know, other than that, I'm pretty happy with this team overall, despite the fact that they've lost five of their last six. Yeah, exactly. I, I did see on my timeline, and I kind of alluded to it as well today, um, about the power play. And 
you know, when when you see Rasmus Sandin, I don't know if he's going to be in the playoff lineup, especially if Bogosian's back. Um, I just think that the six defensemen have played so well that they, they probably go back to them. But I do love Sandin on the power play. Um, I know you mentioned my tweet earlier, but he's just so good at, at the timing and the spacing of the game. And he's he's just able to move the defenders around. And he just creates so much space for the forwards around him. You know, I'm ready to see him when he is playing. I want to see him on the first unit. I don't know if that's something where, you know, overall he's a better power play guy than Riley or anything. I do think he's better at creating space for his opponents than Riley is. I have had an issue with Riley on the power play this year. I don't think he's a shooting threat. I don't think he really creates too much space for his his teammates. Um, I do like his mobility. I do like his ability to walk the line. Um, I just don't know if he's... if I just would like to see Sandin on that first power play unit. Is that something you'd want to see? Um, you know, even just a look at it with the with the top guys. I think okay, so I think a lot of people are too hard on Riley sometimes on the power play. I think he's fine there. Like before Sandine was in the picture, like when he was still hurt, I had a lot of people in my mentions saying, like, take Riley off the first unit. And I'm going, okay, Bef- they don't really have Sandine? any Right. So I'm okay. going, okay, they yeah. don't really have anyone to that's better than him like I don't want Muzzin on the first unit I don't want Brody I love those players just not what their skill set is but I do think Sandine is good enough that I'd be willing to put him on the first unit if he's in the lineup I think he's he's got a great shot uh maybe not a great shot but he's a, he's got a better shot than Morgan Riley uh he, he's just great at, at what's the word leading defenders towards I, I think him. he's better sh- I think he's a better shot selector than Riley and I think he, he's very good at shooting pucks that are able to get tipped um and then kind of catch goalies from surprise but like you're saying like he's not going to be uh, you know a huge shooting threat from the point he see I, I do like his shot from there like he does have a good he, he I do think he's he's got a better shot than Riley right um, yeah I think that right now when you're not sure if like at this point of the year, I don't think they know if if Sandin's going to be in the playoff lineup. So I get keeping Riley on power play one, just you know, keep the confidence up. Um, you know, w- you know why take him off if if you're just going to put him back on in a few games anyways. I can kind of understand that, but there's a few questions I have for you, Nick. So I, I, we've alluded to a few. Obviously, there's been quite a few line. You know, there's been injuries. There's been line changes. Um, so Sandin is back. He is in the lineup. He was playing over Dermott in, in the first game. Um, obviously, Bogosian got hurt, um, so he's he's now playing with Dermott on the third pairing. Um, that's one. Two is Adam Brooks has been playing. Uh, I thought he played pretty well tonight. He's actually was playing instead of Engvall in 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 last game. This game, Makaya was hurt, so he he actually it looked like Engvall was going to be out of the lineup, but and Brooks was going to be in again. Um, so we could go Brooks. We could go. Uh, to the Bogosian injury, Zach Hyman got hurt. I'll, I'll leave the floor open to you. What really stands out to you about the lineup decisions as of late? I thought I thought Brooks. This was probably his best game in the NHL um, in his career. Um, it was nice that it came in Winnipeg. Obviously, he played junior there, um, and he is nicknamed Prairie Jesus. So I thought he was excellent tonight. Um, other than the two times that he probably should have shot instead of passed it um other than that i mean i I think he's just a good depth option i don't think he's close to the playoff 
seen or anything like that. It's just nice to have a reliable guy um, come into the lineup. Let's talk about Hyman. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a big loss. Um, you know, you hope that he's back for the playoffs. He makes every line better. It was, you know, I, I do think that they're missing quite a bit. And I think even tonight, like when I was watching Foligno, and this is no kind of slight on Foligno at all, but I've just heard so many comparisons over this past week of, you know, they're adding Foligno. He's like another Hyman. He's like another Hyman. I think Hyman's a lot better than Foligno, um, especially this year, like how much he's he's carrying the puck. He's creating his own offense. I don't think Foligno can really do that at Hyman's level. Um, so, I mean, with him, it's pretty simple. Like you just want him to come back as healthy as possible as soon as possible. Yeah, I do think he's way better than Foligno. He's just faster than Foligno, better carrier than Foligno. I mean, I don't have to convince many Leafs fans on how right. good Zach Hyman yeah. is. Yeah, um, not. With, with Brooks... I think because it was in Winnipeg and he had scored the, the previous game, um, he is from Winnipeg. I did like that he was in the lineup. Um, I, I just think he's such an easy player to root for. I don't know if you saw my tweet, Nick, but that fourth line, my favorite part of it is that they have a player who has 130 points when he was in the CHL, and it's not Joe yeah, Thorne, and it's, it's not Jesus. Jason Spezza. Yeah. You added, like, Tavares Marner, who both just dominated. Like, they just have some CHL gods on this team. It's kind of funny the way they're built. Obviously, there's so many top five picks. Nick um, Robertson. Nick Robertson, another one. And yeah. that's a good segue because that was the next player I was going to ask about. Robertson's been in since we last recorded. Uh, he is, I believe, one game away from burning the first year on his entry-level contract. I have like the energy he's provided. I know he's played a little bit with, uh, I believe, Joe Thornton. Um, he's also played, was it Thornton or Kerfoot? can't remember. But I know he also jumped up to the, the Tavares line as well. Um, what are your thoughts on just how he's looked with the Leafs, and and what would you would you burn that year? Do you think? I know you know you don't have the numbers in front of you or anything, but are you willing to burn that year? Like, would you keep him in the lineup if that year wasn't a factor? If that year wasn't a factor, um, maybe now. I mean, you know, once they get fully healthy and Hyman's back and Mikheyev's back and everything, um, I don't think he makes that playoff lineup. Um, and that's, you know, that's not a chirp to him. I think he's going to be a very good player. I think just now he's, he's a little bit tiny. I think he gets pushed off the puck quite a bit at the NHL level. Um, I think with the Marlies is just the right place for him right now. Um, you can kind of work on some different parts of his game, you know, parts that I've kind of touched upon in the past, especially passing and transition, um, winning battles against professional uh, players. I think his time is going to come. I don't think it's now. Um, but I, th- I think... So I'm not really surprised that, you know, Keefe's not playing him now, that the that the contract is kind of, the, the eligibility is coming into play. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not mad about that. But I, I do think he's going to be a fantastic player one day. I mean, the, the, the signs of it, there's little bursts of him being really, really good. Um, but I just don't think this is his year. Yeah, I know he was a week away from being eligible for the, the 2020 draft and you know, you look at who's made it. Lafferty has done not, really not much this year. Uh, I know Byfield's not even in the league yet. So um, I, I do think he's looked pretty good. I would be fine with giving him an extended audition, but I don't know if they want to burn the year. Like, they have so many options right now. Uh, I do think that if those injuries come playoff time, I would be perfectly fine with playing him in the lineup like they did last year. Um, just such a good shooting threat. He's a great, you know, great worker out there. I think he's got a very bright future. 
Um, so I, I'm excited to, to to see what he can do. I don't know if he'll be playing again with the Leafs this season. We'll wait and see. Uh, the Marlies are shut down. I believe it's because of a COVID situation right now. Right. Um, so obviously, I think he'll be back down potentially when once they get going again. So uh, a few other things. One thing is Pierre Engvall. He has come out of the lineup. Uh, I know Adam Brooks had played over him in the previous game. He did get back in, but only because Mikhaev was hurt tonight. Uh, what are your thoughts on Engvall coming out? I have been a big fan of Engvall all year. I think that he's... I think the Leafs have been looking for a center that can take big defensive zone starts and be relatively good with it. When Hyman's there, they're about 60%. When it's just Mikheyev and and Engvall, they're around 50%. And I think that's pretty good in a, in a nutshell, especially to, you know based on their competition. Now, in saying that, the last five or six games of Engvall, Engvall I don't think he's been good enough. Um... I think before they had trouble finding that center, I I do love Kerfoot. I don't think that they trust him in those defensive zone starts to that degree. Um, but now that they have Riley Nash there, who should be healthy for playoffs, it's just a crowded bottom six right now. And I think Engvall needs to bring it a little bit more. I do. He's just been turning the puck over a bit too much at the offensive line. We know he's good in transition, but... The last couple of games, he's just been turning the puck over way too much at that offensive um, at that offensive blue line. Um, I think he's still been pretty good in the defensive zone, but uh, it it just feels off when one when he's on on the wing, um, and two when he's not playing with Mikheyev. Uh, I think that those two complement each other so well, and when they're not together, it just feels like they're so much less effective when when they're by themselves. So, um, I, I'm not upset that the fact that that Keith has him. You know, has been rotating him in and out of the lineup because that's where I'd have him right now too. Because um, I think he can be really effective, but I think he's got to be a little bit better if he wants to be in that playoff lineup every night. Yeah, I, I know we've talked about Thornton and Simmons potentially coming out time and time again, so I don't want right. to. I don't want to circle back to it because I think we've gone over it enough. But I think with Engvall, I'm fine with him coming out, uh, especially now. Like these games are pretty meaningless. Um, I think Riley Nash is just so good defensively that I'd be fine with. You know, Nash in a vacuum, I'd, I'd be fine with Nash playing over Engvall. Um, I do think and he that can handle Eng- that deployment, which is important. Yeah, better on faceoffs than Engvall. Um, I do like Engvall more at center just because I think it's more of a defensive skill set that he has. He's he's pretty brutal in the offensive end, yeah. uh, getting his shot off. I like him with Mikhaev, as you said. I I don't know if you know. I, I do think that as like they're kind of like final players to the roster, so. Um, I'm actually okay with splitting them up if, if you know, depending on, um, you know, how the what what the rest of the roster needs. But um, also, I do think they play well together as well. Um, so yeah, I, I especially like I, I like getting Brooks a chance. I think it's just good for you know Team Morel, and uh, I, I do think he's actually played well. He had that that goal that Marner just gifted him the other night. Um, got to play in his hometown of Winnipeg, so. Uh, you know, I just love rooting for Brooks. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Engball coming out of the lineup. Uh, I do think he'll probably be out of the playoff lineup. Um, that's just my guess. But uh, obviously, it's you know whether it's Engball versus Nash is not the biggest deal at the, uh, uh, in the grand scheme of things. I do think Thornton and Simmons both played pretty well tonight. Um, so, so you know maybe they're about to bounce back and, and have a good uh, a good rest of the way. Uh, I guess the other one. 
This is a tough question for you, Nick. So Zach Bogosian's hurt right now. So we, we are seeing a Sandine-Dermott pairing. They have elected to go Sandine over Ben Hutton, which I wasn't sure if that was what they would do. But I just have a question. It's, let's say Zach Bogosian is back in the lineup come playoff time. He is, let's just say he's a lock for the right side. Would you prefer Travis Dermott or Rasmus Sandine? I know it's only been two games for Sandine, <laughs> but but... I guess, who do you prefer, and how confident are you in that? Like, that, that'll be your answer in 10, in 10 games. I, I really thought you were going to ask, when Bogosian's back, um, would you play Sandine over Bogosian? And I was going to put down the hammer saying that Bogosian's in the lineup, and I would be thinking about Dermot Sandine, but you were one step ahead of me. So uh, you really took my fire there. Um, so, yeah, no, I would have Bogosian in a lineup if he's healthy. I think he's just been so good on the penalty kill. Um, Keefe has really relied on a muzzin Bogosian pairing when they're when they're in the lead, um, and he kind of switches up switches up those defensive pairings. Um, so I definitely don't think that he would be scratched if he's healthy. Um, oh, when it comes to Sandine and Dermot, I do, I do think it still has to be Dermot. Um, that's in the the lineup. Um, it's one of those things where Dermot is, is this year is kind of taken a bit of a stride defensively, but he's also just not been that great offensively i think he has like he has like under i think it's like three points this year or something like that um you know he's, he's not he's just been a really safe player this year and a very low event player um i don't know if Bog- playing with bogosian has anything to do with that but i mean dermot's played with roman polak he's played with igor zaganov he's played with a bunch of different third um third pairing guys so i don't know but i just like that that's you know, six-man units so much this year, and we've seen it be pretty good in a big sample. So I will go with Dermot, but, man, Sandine is going to make... The way he's playing right now, it's only been two games, as you said, but even just long-term, I think that Sandine's play is going to make both Keefe's job a little difficult and also Kyle Dubas's. Um, That's for a different podcast, but I think the Leafs have some big decisions to make about that left side of defense starting with Riley and 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 going down to Dermot uh, because of how well Sandine is playing and, and how good he's going to be. Yeah, I do think, I agree that I think Bogosian's definitely in the lineup of healthy. Um, I'm actually starting, I'm so torn. I'm honestly like 50-50 right now. Um, but Sandine's been so good. He is a better puck mover. I think he, he, he definitely provides power play value that Dermot doesn't. Dermot doesn't really provide special teams value, whereas Sandine is very good on the power play. Um, I I just, I'm starting to lean towards Sandine. I just think, you know, he's so strong for his size. Uh, he's not the same skater as Dermot, but just such a good puck mover. I think he adds an element offensively to the backhand that they kind of lack. Like, I don't think Muzzin, Brody, um, Paul, Bogosian, they're all fine puck movers. Like, they don't, at least don't have any real weak spots, but they don't have that many like overly strong spots either like guys that are can't miss power play guys it's only been two games of sandine so i'm kind of torn <laughs> but i was looking at the the goals above replacement on evolving hockey and dermot's last on the team this year i was a little bit surprised by that um you know he used to be the advanced stat god i do think his transition defense is good but he's just so low event like he, he doesn't move the puck he's not really the type that can you know beat up on on weak competition in the offensive zone. He's just kind of meh offensively. 
Um, I do probably think he's a little bit better defensively than Sandine just because of the skating. But to me, it's like 50-50. And I want to get a look at Sandine while, uh, while Bogosian's out. And I, I think it's a real competition. It's not that I think Dermot's been bad. I think he's been better than that goal to cup of replacement number suggests. But Sandine's been so good that I think it's a competition now. I'm going to defend both you and I. Because, you know, you said there, yes, it is a two-game sample, but we've watched a ton of Sandine over the years, and we see him at the AHL level, and he's better than, he doesn't belong there. I think he's at that level right now where he doesn't belong in the AHL. He's better, we've seen him in a big sample being, playing at that level there. I do understand that there is a jump between the AHL and the NHL, um, but they've sheltered that third pairing quite a bit this year, um, and... Like, I, I don't think you and I are surprised that Sandine looks good um, right now. Maybe because the injury, it's a bit surprising. But it's not like it's not like a case where, you know, I like me personally, I'm not, you know, very impressed with Igor Korshkov. And then he comes up and he scores that goal and everyone's going nuts about him. Um, I don't think it's that the case there. I think Sandine showed that he's an NHL player, even when he's playing with the Marlies. So, you know, it is a two-game sample, but... I do think there is some merit there to it. Um, I'm going to still lean to Dermot, though, just because of how good I feel that that defense has been this year. But my big problem with Dermot this year has just been the jitterness between him. Like, I feel like whenever he gets the puck, he kind of finds, kind of does those those body fakes to try and fake out the incoming forechecker. And, you know, in his rookie year and, and his sophomore year, it felt like those always worked. And I feel like this year... He just needs to, to, sometimes it's just better to just move the puck right away. Um, and I know in past playoff series, we see Dermot, that kind of jitterness has kind of gone the best of him. Whereas with Sandine, he never has problems with that. His He has poise that's beyond his years. He looks like a veteran out there. Um, so it almost feels like in playoff situations, Sandine, especially on breakouts, um, would be better than Dermot. Um, just because of his ability to stay very calm, be in his position, and make the right play under kind of a high-pressure situation. So I don't know. I I don't think it's 50-50 for me now. I I guess I'll say it's 60-40, but the gap is closing pretty quick every game. Yeah, I know we have watched a ton of Sandine with the Marlies. I think I've tweeted probably like 200 Sandine gifts um, (laughs) over the years. I, I I was actually, I wanted him to play in the play-in series, especially when Muzzin got hurt. They went with Marinson. Um, you know, I, I just think, as you said, I think he's got ice in his veins when he goes back against four checkers. He's just so cool under pressure. Um, I think he has more upside than Dermot just because of the puck moving and his ability to create offense. So basically what I would do is, you know, if he continues this play, if he continues to play like he did tonight for the next Let's say, you know, there's, I think there's nine games left. If he could keep this up, I think I would play him over Dermot. If if he if he doesn't keep this up, especially on the defensive end, because I think that's where the more, more of the concern is, we know he's great offensively, then I might lean Dermot. I think it's a true 50-50 for me now. I don't really know where to go. It's only been two games of Sandine. So I'm just, I think it's going to be one of the things to watch for going forward. Um, and, and it should be, I guess, exciting. And if Bogosian's out, maybe we just see the pairing we saw tonight. Who knows? 
Do you mean, when you're talking about upside, uh, Sandin having more upside, do you mean in terms of his career, or do you mean this year also? This year also. Okay. That's that's the way I, I perceived it there. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, and I think definitely career, but this year also. Yeah, yeah where, definitely career. You know, if yeah. he looks like he's a player who, you know, is in his prime, like Quinn Hughes at, at that age was, you know, pretty much a prime NHL player. I think, you know, if Sandin looks 100% ready, I, I do think he's a better player, like especially long term. The other thing I wanted to get to, Nick, was just Felino starting on the first line. I know Hyman's out. Um, he did put Galchenyuk to line two. What were your thoughts on on that lineup decision from Sheldon Keefe? Sorry, that Felino was on the top line. Yeah, just starting him. Yeah, I, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I, I think Keefe's always done a really good job of whenever a player comes in, putting him into a situation that he can thrive in. Um, I always think of the the infamous example of when uh, Pontus Abbott. I was going to mention that. Year. I was going to mention that. That's that's why we do a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> when Pontus Abbott got called up, um, and he put him, I think it was with, I think it was with Matthews and Marner. I don't know if it was Matthews Nylander, but he was on the top line that night, and I absolutely loved it because Abbott's skill set oh would thrive goodness. in a top six position. Um, you know, he only played like one or two games in the end, but I feel like that's the infamous example there. So I'm not surprised you were gonna gonna say it, but at least I stole that one from you. I didn't. Um, I didn't like the Aberg one. He played on his off wing, which is weird. He played with right wing on the Marlies. Played left wing on the Leafs in his first game. It is kind of cool. Like obviously we've seen it with Thornton. We've seen it with Galchenyuk. Um, I remember Dennis Malgin started with on the right side with Tavares. Um, yeah. So we've seen it with just player after player. I do like that, especially a, a player of Felino's caliber. Like he's not Aberg; he's much better. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, it's not like they have to go with this come playoff time. I, I think that's I would have done the same thing. I, I just think Felino he is a bit slow. I do think that him and Tavares would be a bit weird. I did like the Galchenyuk Tavares Nylander line tonight. Uh, I just think, you know, you got two skilled players with Tavares that can, you know, set him up and, and help in transition. And I think Foligno is just a good, you know, defensive, responsible forward for Matthews and Marner. Um, so I like the decision. I'm not in love with it come playoff time. We'll see. I'm still early. But I, I just think, as you said, getting the player a good start, getting him some confidence is, is just, I think it's just the right call. Especially at this point. I mean, they're 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 far ahead. They're going to make the playoffs. I shouldn't say they're far ahead. Their Winnipeg is right behind them, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's that important whether they finish first or second. Honestly, as long as they they come out of the north in the playoffs is the most important thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Keith's always been good at that. Like even tonight, they're playing Winnipeg. He plays Adam Brooks, knowing that there's a history there. Um, you know, Keith's always been good with that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But let's let's segue to unless you want to talk anything more about the Leafs. Do you have any more topics there? Um, or do you want to transition to the, the rest of the division here as we start getting closer to the playoffs? No, we could transition. So we've talked about this a bunch of times, but I, I think it's always good because, you know, right now it, it feels like the standings are kind of set in place. There is a chance that maybe Toronto finished second. Maybe Vancouver goes on a pretty crazy run here. But, you know, it looks like it's going to be Toronto-Montreal. Um, I know Money Puck has those those um the the chances and the odds that it's going to happen i think it's over 50 percent right now that montreal and toronto are going to play in the first round what do you what do you think about that that uh, series and and how do you think that would play out 
Uh, how do I think it would play out? I have no idea. Just because, you know, you could say you have a plan, but as we saw with Columbus, it doesn't always come to fruition. I think Montreal, as everyone as everyone's probably heard by now, is a great 5-on-5 team. I do think that if they add Caulfield, we'll see what happens there, that he would really help their, their struggling power play. Um, Montreal, I don't know if they have, you know, I, I do think it's a case where I don't know how confident I'm in. I'd be in Carey Price. I think he's, you know, he's at a 901 save percentage right now. I don't know how confident I'd be in Jake Allen. Like, I don't think he's a, he doesn't have a long career as like a, a great starter. I think he's a fine goalie, but I do think that's one where maybe the goalies make the difference. And I do think the Leafs have more shooting talent for sure. I, mm-hmm. If they could get the power play going, I, I like their chances. But I think we both said all along that Montreal was the one, was the team we would least want to face. And it's unfortunate that that's going to be the case, but it would be a very, very entertaining playoff series, to say the least. And I think we deserve it. I, I think that both fan bases deserve those two to have a series. Like, I don't even, there definitely hasn't been a Leafs Montreal series in our lifetime. Um, I don't even know when the last time it was. So I think it's about time and, you know, no better time than this year when it is a Canadian division and there's a higher chance of, actually, I guess that they've always been in the same division, but, you know, it'd be nice for a Canadian division this year and, and for it to be Montreal. Now, they are a very good 5-on-5 team. Um, Toronto is also a very good 5-on-5 team. I, I just think that, you know, most of the games this year that those two have played, it's it's been pretty close to 50-50 in terms of scoring chances and in terms of expected goals um, at 5-on-5. Five five. And, and like you said, I think it's going to come down to shooting talent. Um, I don't think there's a huge difference between goaltending between the two teams. Um, so I do think Toronto, if everything goes, you know, as it should go, as it never does, but... If that was the case, I do think Toronto would come out victorious in that series. But, you know, I still would rather play a team like Edmonton um, that, you know, struggles defensively, is not a deep team like Montreal. I think Toronto can probably slow down that McDavid line. I think they've proven that this year. Um, And, you know, they just feast on that Edmonton defense. Um, But, you know, I I, I don't think that's going to happen unless, you know, Winnipeg goes on a bit of a run and, and goes past Toronto. So I do think it's going to be Toronto-Montreal, which is going to be it's going to be a treat. Yeah, it'll definitely be exciting, to say the least. Um, I, I don't know. Like I guess both teams have their pros and cons. Obviously, Edmonton has the star talent that Montreal doesn't. Um, but Montreal's just a, a more well-rounded team, a deeper team, a better 5-on-5 team. Uh, Edmonton does have a great power play, which you know you do need to take into account. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it's a tougher matchup, but a fun one. I have one last question for you, Nick, before we get out of here. Do you have anything else on the Canadian division first? I don't think so. I, I think the next time we record, it'll kind of be closer. We'll, we'll get more in depth. Let's say if, you know, the, the chances of Montreal and Toronto actually happen, I think we'll definitely get a lot more in depth in that type of a series. Um, but I think for now, we'll just kind of see how it shakes out, um, Hopefully we're talking about, you know, Vancouver making a better run because I'd love to play them in the first round. And one last thing here. Do you have anything to mention about the, that Marley's checking line of Engvall, Gauthier, Greeting? Because <laughs> we mentioned every pod. We haven't mentioned it. We're almost done. Any last words about that? Uh, I miss them. I miss uh, I miss watching Colin Greening uh, every single week. I, miss, I, I do miss Marley's hockey. Um, just in general. I mean, I think we got used to watching it. And then... It, it kind of sounded like we were going to get a, a 
you know, a few prospects at least coming over from, from Europe. I know we just started watching SDA and then as soon as that happened, um, you know, they, they kind of had the, the COVID outbreak. So, you know, hopefully we get it soon and maybe the Leafs, is Colin Greening even playing hockey right now? I know he went back to school. I think he went to like Harvard or something. So I wouldn't be surprised if he yeah. got back into hockey later, but... Um, if he went to Harvard, the, the chances of the Leafs acquiring him went up like exponentially. Yeah. It was one of those schools. I don't know if it was Harvard, Princeton, or what, but I do one have of those random schools. <laughs> I do have one last question for you. So I want to know what was the best, your favorite of the last week? So we got three big moments here. The first one was Mitch Marner tonight knocking the puck out of midair to avoid the puck over glass penalty. That's number one. Number two is the Patrick Marlowe video where Martyr and Matthews are talking to the camera, congratulating him on beating Gordie Howe's games played record, only for Joe Thornton to be naked in the background. And number three is Jacob Verana tonight, four goals for Detroit, looking like an outstanding addition for the Detroit Red Wings. I would not trade with Steve Eiserman. Which of the three are you going with for your moment of the week? Um, I guess you have to go with the Thornton one. Um, you do, you do. Because it was, it, I watched that first without sound, so it completely caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> it was not the way I thought that video was gonna was gonna go. But um, I thought it was a cool. I thought it was a cool thing, especially considering. Um, you know, Marlowe's milestone. Yeah, I, I got to go with that as well. I thought it was hilarious. It's It had to be Thornton's idea, right? Like, I, I just feel like <laughs> it had to be his. It's just such a Joe Thornton thing to do. And if it wasn't his idea, it was Mac Hollowell's idea because that's Joe Thornton's best but, friend. So, Yeah. Now, with in, the worst thing of the week, though, was the fact that I saw your tweet today where it was tonight's three stars. And it was Matthews, Marner, and Thornton in the background. Yeah. Worst thing of the week was... Well, who's the third star today? Was it like Andrew Cobb or something like that? Was it? I didn't look. It was It was Matthews, Marner, and then a, a random... like It was like Winnipeg's like third line ah. winger or something. Huge missed opportunity. Was it TSN or Sportsnet tonight? I think it, it was, was Sportsnet. It was Sportsnet. Huge missed opportunity uh, that they should have capitalized on tonight. Surprise it wasn't the fans. Remember when the fans got a star at Winnipeg? Now, I, I, know, I know there's no fans, but yeah, there was like a playoff game, and they gave one of the three stars to the fans. Oh, my God. Uh, so that's, that's almost as bad as when uh, it was the, um, the Next Generation game, and what? they made like each person, like the picture was like almost like a Lego, like a Lego version of them, and Marner's person looked nothing like him, like <laughs> nothing like him. So we, we need a new Lego person. Um We'll get on that. Hopefully, we'll we'll send some complaints in. But Nick, great to be talking about a win tonight. We picked the right time to record. Um, hopefully, we have some more wins, and, and hopefully, Jack Campbell stands on his head because I want some goaltending stability. But we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for listening.